For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. And now college basketball is starting up this week, so that gives us one more thing we can put our money to good use on. They have everything from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. There's always the online casino as well. It literally never closes. So head on over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome into this week's Believe in Wizards podcast. Uh, a lot has happened in the one week since we last talked to you guys post-draft. Uh, free agency has been pretty crazy. John Wall apparently asked for a trade, but then he didn't. The Wizards signed some free agents, but are they good ones? There's a whole lot of stuff to talk about. I think all of Wizards Twitter, myself included, had kind of a borderline mental breakdown. Maybe that's calmed down, but uh, Larry, just kind of initial thoughts. What did you think of the last couple days uh, of Wizards-ness? Uh, I'm just looking and thinking, does anything, you know, move the needle mm-hmm. or gives you the feeling of wait till the other team sees us on the court? You know what I mean? Just like something that, that brings a little bit of, like I just said, just unknowing of, of, of what's next. And, and I, I, didn't, I didn't really get that. I didn't really get that. As a player, how much are you paying attention to the teams in your conference that you're going to have to, like, compete for a playoff spot with? And are you saying, like, oh, shit, that's a big signing. Like, uh, we don't want to play that team anymore. Is there I a think, lot of that? Yeah, I think it matters. I mean, you do definitely look around because you, uh, again, we got to go and face those guys, right? Now, now I got this guy with me. And with mm-hmm. so much movement around – the league, you know, guys are moving and, and on a different team every year, it feels like if you can have that guy that's pretty good next to you, you know, you signed him, you know, for a new team, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty big nowadays. Philly added some pieces, Boston added some pieces, Atlanta added some pieces. You know, the Wizards, I guess, technically added some pieces, bringing Davis Bertans back is the big one. Based on what everybody else got, you know, Joe Harris got almost $20 million a year. Gallinari got $20 million a year. Like, the legit shooters that were on the market. So, Berton's getting, like, 16-ish uh, is actually probably pretty fair value. The question I have there is the years. He got a five-year, $80 million deal with an, an early termination clause, which means that last year's not guaranteed. But the, the thing I can't reconcile is if you have Hachimura, who you're all in on, your lottery pick from last year, They were abysmal playing together last year. They're both ideally suited for the power forward spot. 
how much can you invest in two guys that you realistically don't want to have out there to close games? That, that's a head scratcher to me. Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, everyone and, and those guys as well, I mean, they're concerned with the first two years of that deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can push it to the, the first three years of that deal if you want to. Sure. But the money is so high. I mean, I don't think that, you know, the, obviously the pandemic has, has done, we don't know what's going on, but we expect for the salary caps to go to go up. So the dollars will be there in the event that you have to move a guy around, you know, mm-hmm. the last year, last two years of that deal. And I, I, you know, suspect that that's, you know, kind of the thought process is you're really looking at those first three years. Obviously, you give Hachi, you know, a good you know, another two years to really develop. Mm-hmm. And then he's breaking out of the shell. And then obviously you have your positionings and your things to start to move around and your pieces that, you know, kind of build around at that time, whoever you feel is the best opportunity to win. I think that's got to be the rationale, at least if, if you're the team, that's got to be what you say is that you lock a 6'10 shooter into to a reasonable contract. He'll always have trade value. His skill set to, you know, should translate for another couple years at least. And and you're protecting the asset. I totally get that as like a rational outside observer. But at the time, I was just like, I don't know what this says. You know, like we really need a small forward. Like, wh- what are we doing? No, nah, it's, it's like fact finding, man. It's like, can you find the right talent for the mm-hmm. right sort of salaries and the right sort of years that you can get the most benefit out of? And with our, the scouts not being able to get out there in the space, like you're really like going for the for show, like. He was a for show. Joe Harris in, in Brooklyn, he was a for show. So it's like those guys were going to get what they were going to get. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And, and the next move, it's such like a minimal deal, but it goes back to your thing about needle mover. They sign uh, Anthony Gill, who played overseas last year. He, was a, he played at South Carolina originally, but was a multi-year player on a couple good Virginia teams in college. And it's been overseas since, I want to say, 2016. Is another power forward. Um, if it were me, that I wouldn't have assumed that's the position we most needed to address with multiple people. But uh, you know, maybe Tommy Shepard uh, knows what he's doing. But have you, do you know anything about Gill? Have you seen any of his tape or anything? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> right. And if he, you know, once he makes it to training camp, I don't think again. When those other five guys get out there on the court, you you don't have a you know, wow factor or fear factor. And that's really, you know, shock and awe, right? I mean, that's what free agency is. I mean, if you can shock and awe, you know, a few teams, they can get you some some good wins. I have not seen him. I've seen a couple highlights. I'd seen him in college, obviously, but he wasn't like a jaw-dropping prospect or anything like that. And what everybody keeps clinging to is he shot about 43% from three in the EuroLeague, good percentage, obviously, but on like 1.8 attempts per game, you know, so it's like, how much does that really translate? And again, it's just sort of a, all right, not the splashiest name, but if it's a part of a larger picture, he's the last couple guys off the bench, maybe that's solid. And then the news breaks, uh, Shams Charania of the, Athle- or, uh, yeah, of the Athletic and Stadium comes out and says that John Wall has told the Wizards he wants to be traded. And basically for all Wizards fans, like all hell broke loose for the next couple hours. Uh, what did you think in real time seeing that come up? I mean, I'm like, come on, like, you you got to get on on the court. You got to play basketball. I mean, don't be concerned with what the news is reporting as far as to the direction of the group. Like, let your play dictate 
you know, what the opportunity should be, right? I mean, if if you get out there, you're back to a thousand percent and the team and the direction is not going the way you feel like it should go, then there's an opportunity to to talk about, you know, what's next for 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 a player. But I just don't think that being out a couple of years and demanding a trade when the you know the team is really expecting you to be, if not the guy, one of the guys, I think it's just premature. Even if you're looking at it from his perspective and just like going at it completely selfishly, it just doesn't make sense for him to do that for his own interests. Like you're hurting the team's chances of being able to trade you. So why would you do that? It's just not self-serving even. So uh, Tommy Shepard came out in media availability yesterday and said, Wall has not asked him for that. They hung out at shoot around the other morning or at a workout and they talked about their Cowboys and uh, you know, the, their families and all this chummy stuff, but it's never been mentioned. John Wall's never said anything like that to him. So is that agent speak? You know, like Shams is somebody that's got a reputation. I can't imagine you leak that unless you have reasonable authority. So is is that bad info or is Tommy Shepard now just trying to preserve trade value? No, I, I think that that can be true. I mean, players will come out to their agents or to other people and say, hey, I want to be moved and they'll never say a word. Mm-hmm. And maybe John and, and Shep didn't talk about him requesting a trade. I'm not sure, but I think that both of those things can be true mm-hmm. because I've seen players, you know, on one end say, get me out of here. And on the other end, you know, act like it's, it's, it's all, you know, roses. So I've seen that happen. That's the perspective I was looking for there for you. Cause that's the one I've been trying to figure out like all week is like, all right, who's, who's really saying what? And I think the most important thing there is, is Shepard said, regardless of if anybody had asked for it, he's not trading wall. Like it's just, you know, they've waited too long to see him and Beal out there. They've built the team around both of them. And I guess some of the other media asked about part of his, like Shepard's comments drove walls supposed trade request about building the team around uh, this being Bradley Beal's team now. And, and Shepard's response to that was actually it's Ted Leonsis's team, but it can be Brad's team and also be John's team. And, and that's sort of how they're, they're making their roster moves. I, I think that's smart, man. I, th- I think that's a smart way to deal with it. The amount of media coverage that's out there, these guys are going to be pulled for, for great opportunities. And that's a lot of times that's what it boils down to. It's, it's an ego trip. It's an ego player by whose mm-hmm. face is going to be, you know, on, on the opening day ticket, right. That, that all the fans get. And I think that that's, a, that's an ego thing. I think that, you need guys like you need guys to go out and compete. Right. And, and once you have a guy that's next to you that that has that same mentality, you can't it, it, it does not matter who gets that national shine sure. because they're all making a lot of money. And there's just tons of media and tons of opportunities out there that everybody can benefit from. I just don't get the. And again, I'm not a pro athlete, so I, I can't really speak to this from any practical experience here, but just. I can't imagine being like that sensitive about something like that. I mean, they've said so many things in the media about like, he's going to come back better than ever. Like they've 99% of comments have been so pro John wall that you choose to latch on to one that isn't, isn't even negative toward you. It's just, is it, it's positive towards someone else. I just, that, that irks me a little bit as a fan. 
Yeah, that's just like displacing your, your, your the chip on your shoulder. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we all need that motivation of someone telling us, you know, what we need to work on or how, you know, how much better we need to be, you know, but that's like you got the wrong chip in, in the wrong area code. It's like it's 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 not it's not a it's not a diss. It's it's still a compliment. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. So that kept going, uh, you know, and, and the internet was a, a flurry. And then the big free agent signing of the year comes out. The Wizards signed center Robin Lopez to a one-year, $7 million deal. In a vacuum, like, I like Robin Lopez just fine. You know, I think that is it okay signing. The number surprised me. Like, guys like Aaron Baines got $7 million a year. Abaka and Tristan Thompson and those guys didn't get that much more than that. And the little bit I saw of Robin Lopez in Milwaukee last year, he wasn't good. And the analytics don't suggest that he was very good in his 15 minutes a game. I just don't really see that again as a needle mover. And when Shepard was asked about it, he said, well, we're committed to Thomas Bryant as our starter. And we talked to multiple free agents and they weren't okay with coming in as a backup and Robin was. So that's what drove the signing. But it still doesn't justify an overpay for a backup. Uh, what, what do you think about Robin Lopez's ability to help the team? Well, well, first of all, I think that there, no one is okay coming in to, to say that they're going to be the backup. I mean, yeah, that's not the guy you want if they say that. Yeah. I mean, does that mean I'm going to go easy on this guy in practice? I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand, you know, that thought process. I think that Thomas needs to continue to earn yeah. his stripes and know that there's somebody that'll be right, you know, Mm-hmm. around the corner if you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And I don't think that that's, that's any, you know, knock on his development or hurt him at all. Sure. You know, that's, again, it's, it's one of those guys where will he play 15 minutes again next year? I mean, I, I probably not. You know, it's just one of those one of those things where you see a player, you know, I've, I've watched him for a number of years and I don't see that there's anything extra that he's going to bring that's going to, again, move the needle you know, other than things that can happen within the locker room and his toughness and things that he brings, you know, off the court to to give a, a better understanding of the game. But as far from a performance standpoint, I don't see I don't see the effect right now. What you just hit on was my exact thing the whole time they were talking about it, what value he brings. It's well, in the locker room he's gonna do this and his defensive IQ will be great for Thomas and Mo and all these other guys. Like you could have brought Jan Mahinmi back on a minimum, and he's well-liked in the locker room. He could teach him how to play D. Like, also, what are your assistant coaches for if you have to pay a guy $7 million to come in and teach other guys how to play defense? It just – the soundtrack to these things don't seem to make sense to me. It's like we're justifying a move after the fact because we took some shit for it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's a, a nice price tag for a guy that – I'm not sure what the expectations are. Is, it, is he going to rebound? Is he going to, you know, talk about rotations? I mean, what is the expectation? Because I think with having this short time period, there are going to be some things that are out there uh, for you, you know, in, 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 the, in the market, right? guys that can come in on non-guaranteed deals, guys that are quality compared to a $7 million deal. I mean, I, I don't like to count people's money, but, sure. you know, that's, oh. that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of steep. And it's, yeah, it's not a knock on him. Like you, if you can get your bag, get it. But it's it's compared to the other comparable players on the market and what they got. It, it just, I just looked at it and I was like, that's got to be a misprint. Originally they had said full mid-level exception. And I was like, what the, 
Like, what are we doing? And so they follow that move up by then bringing in Raul Neto, who was basically a third string point guard for most of the year in Philly last year. Again, he played 12 minutes a game, averaged like five points, two assists. He's almost 30. And it was another head scratcher. I haven't seen how much money he got. I can't imagine it's much. It's got to be like a veteran's minimum, I would imagine. But when asked about why they would bring in a fourth point guard after you just drafted Cassius Winston, which again, if you draft a senior point guard, the expectation is that they're probably pretty ready to come in and play some minutes. Yeah. His Shepard's response was that, well, we don't want John Wall to play more than 30 minutes a game. He probably won't play on back-to-backs. So, you know, having Raul here gives us uh, uh, an opportunity to bring Cassius along slowly and some veteran protection and all these things. It's just like, okay, I mean, I just I just don't get what we're doing. Did we need a fourth point guard? Well, I, I think that they don't understand what, what they have as far as the John's coming back. I don't think that, again, we talk about moving the needle and, and bringing in players that are going to give the thought of, of we're doing something different. And for me, that's active wings length. We had uh, none of those. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what – you know, that's what you want to see coming in as far as to, to, to being active on the offensive end and being active on the defensive end and running the floor, taking advantage of early opportunities. I mean, that's what you're, you're really looking for from a team that's, that's starting to, to, to rebuild and go in, 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 a, in a better direction. I mean, that's what I would be looking for. So to bring in a guy that's going to play third or fourth point guard who may not see many minutes either way, Again, I think that that's just a non-starter for the guys that are there, like a Brad and a John that are looking like, say, you know, what are we doing? What are, what are, what are our, our next moves? I think I don't think that there's a lot that they can look at and say, hey, we got a little something brewing here. So they talked about adding like veterans and leadership and all these things, and and that stuff's important. Like I'm not saying that you can't bring in guys to do that, but. It's just, like you said, it's not a splashy thing that tells your big name guys like, all right, we're going all in. Like all these other teams are moving their chips to the middle of the table. And we're like, eh, yeah, we're, we're kind of good. You know, we'll, as long as we have some nice locker room guys, we're going to be so much better next year. And you've also spent all offseason saying that Troy Brown Jr. is going to be mostly a point guard this year. So it's really your fifth point guard. So not all of those guys can get minutes. There's no G League. So you're probably not getting Cassius Winston many minutes. Like, I just don't understand if you now have four centers and four four slash almost five point guards, that's a pretty good chunk of your roster. And the only real like three, like legitimate three on the entire roster is, is Isak Bonga, who was a marginal NBA player at best last year. You're, you're not beating Boston or, you know, Brooklyn or any of these guys with Bonga guarding Tatum and Duran and all those people. Yeah, you, you need players that, that play that position. I mean, that's that's where the game is gone. I mean, even you talk about Cassius. I mean, he's a guy that's that's played four years, uh, and he understands the pro game. Mm-hmm. Right? To, to bring him along slow is to to have him out of the league next year, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he, he needs to if he has the opportunity to play, then he needs the opportunity to move into that second guard spot mm-hmm. and get out of that third or fourth spot because that's you know that's a recipe for. A, a traveler, right? I mean, that's 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 not going to end the way he wants it to end if he's not able to just jump out there and play, spend too much time honing his craft in college. 
Right. Yeah. He's not going to suddenly get younger, you know, like, and, and the game's not markedly going to change. Like if, if you wanted to, Hey, we're going to go heavy on Ish's minutes at the beginning of the year and ease Cassius in, or we got a G league guy with some, some experience, something like that. I get the, the almost 30 year old vet. I, I just sat there scratching my head because I can live with all these moves in a vacuum. I just don't understand what the plan is. And almost every other team in the league, you can look at who they added and figure out what they're trying to do and where they're trying to go. And, and I just have no sense for for that from the Wizards. Yeah, and no, I would have liked to see, you know, they, you know, someone that's that's going to give, obviously, Denny, not necessarily give him a push, but give him some, you know, something to to rely on, you know, whether it be a, another guy of his size or, you know, in free agency that may or may, or may not have been out there. But I think that that should have been something that was that was looked at for sure. And the guys we talked about last week in our, in our mini free agency episode, the Mo Harkless's, the Jay Crowder's, the Justin Holiday's, they went in that nine to ten million dollar range. Some of them may have been a little out of our price range, or they took a little more money to go, you know, to a lesser team or a little less money to go to a better team. But we could have been in the ballpark with that mid-level exception. So you essentially just watched what Jay Crowder did in the bubble for the Miami Heat and then gave Robin Lopez the same amount of money. Like again, it's just I think people have a right to be sort of upset with, with that direction. And, you know, the, I appreciate that Shepard tried to give explanations for all those things, but nothing he said was about like, here's how this guy's going to come in and help us bust somebody's ass next year. Yeah. So just, just going along with that for, for a second, would you consider this a successful off season? I think it sounds like from both of us, no, but is there anything still they could do to, to make it a successful one in, in your mind? Um, I, I think that you have you you have some time. I'm not sure as to you know what training camp is going to look like or what preseason is going to look like, or even what you have to understand what John and, and and Brad. I mean, what what is that dynamic? What is that situation really going to look like? I mean, really, what's really going on behind closed doors uh, to to figure out what's going to make the most sense? But I think with the draft, we talked to Matt, and you know Matt was like getting Denny and it was a smash. I mean, so that's, you know, that's an A, right, for the draft. And you think a couple of days later, for me, it's a flop. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's a flop. But for me, I didn't I didn't see or feel anything that, you know, if I'm on that team, I'm like, yeah, we, we either got a steal or we got one or, man, we spent a little bit more money than I thought we were going to spend. Like, so for me, the, the free agency part of it is a flop. So, what is that, a, a C-minus maybe? Yeah, I, I could go along with that. Like with the potential to maybe get a little better, you know, if if they can add somebody clutch on a minimum that nobody else picks up, maybe maybe you say, all right, that's a steal. Uh, the one kid they picked up as a undrafted free agent, Yoli Childs out of BYU. I'm a big fan of this kid. Uh, a lot of people had him as like a draftable player anyway, and – to get him, you know, even if he only gets a training camp invite and you send him overseas for a year, he's at least somebody that projects as like an NBA caliber player. He shoots it a little bit. He's got good size at like six eight, six nine. So stuff like that is like creative moves and that helps a little bit. But again, it's not a needle mover and no other team is scared of your undrafted free agent. But based on all of this stuff that's gone on with the Wizards this week, Vegas odds came out and projected the Wizards to be at 28 wins for the season. Now, granted, it's a 72 win se- or 72 game season, so a little less than normal, but 
you would have hoped to see more than 28 wins projected next to the to the Wizards name. Are you taking the over or the under on that, Larry? Man, that's a if those boys don't get it right, man, that's that's about right. Yeah. If, if they don't get it right, if John and, and, and Brad aren't, you know, together in their, their move to success, that's what they'll be. That's what they'll be. So I, I would agree with that. You know, I, I wouldn't have been much more optimistic, but in my mind, I'm like, all right, maybe Wall comes back pretty good. Now he's like motivated a little bit more. He makes Bertans even better. There, there was some statistic about uh, when Bertans and Beal were on the court together last year, their offensive rating was like, if you had translated that for a whole season, it would have been the highest in NBA history. Like they were just a tough combo to guard and they made everybody else better. So like maybe Wall even boosts that and Thomas Bryant, if he takes a step forward, you know, like all these things I'm trying to do, like if all of these best case scenarios happen, I still can't see us as any more than like a seven or eight seed. And, and that's the place you don't want to be. Yeah. That's, right. that's, you, you don't want to hang around. You don't want to hang around there. Right. So thinking about being, you know, more efficient, obviously, when John comes back to be more efficient, because I think the, the benefits of those two guys that you, you named is how well they shoot the basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's how well they shoot the basketball. Brad's not the, 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 the greatest passer, but he shoots it just as well. And I think that that's part of how they evolve now is just, just John coming back and being efficient with everything that he does. And that could get them above that 28. And five or six, you can, you know, you're a piece away from from doing something, you know, doing something good. But around seven or eight, you don't want to you don't want to hang around there. Yeah, exactly. Especially when the other people competing for seven or eight are are all on an upward trajectory. Yep. And, and I can tell you right now, like I texted you during free agency that I was going to come on here and just like absolutely lose lose my shit. But I've calmed down a little bit over two days. But if we hear all this stuff about Wall and like the first game of the season. You've got Bertans open in one corner and Beal open in another, and we get another like John Wall fade away, step back with nine, you know, from 19 feet with you know a bunch of time on the clock. Like I'm gonna lose my mind because it just that's not gonna get it done. Like he's got to be the guy that is like totally locked in on making those guys better, and, and that isn't always the case. I don't think. Well, I think that that's what they're building. You talk about the culture and what's needed, and He's in a situation where he's just coming back. There's tons of opportunity there for him to to capture, and he has to come in with the right mentality. He, you you want to prove something, but you don't want to prove it in the wrong way. So it's just now just how do they figure that out? You have to rely on Brad. You have to re- rely on, 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 on Thomas um, just to make sure that, that John knows that there's a right way to come back and there's a right mm-hmm. way to prove everybody – you know, wrong if, if, if that's what's motivating you. But just figuring out and you know, figuring out a way to do it within the team is gonna be huge. Right. Him him going on a tear and averaging twenty-five points and six assists is, isn't what the team is hopefully uh looking for, I wouldn't think. Uh so just given everything we've talked about, if things are are not going well at the all-star break, it wouldn't totally surprise me to see them completely blow this thing up. But I think we at the very least get like a half a season to to see how this plays out. The one sort of super glass half full thing is that next year's draft class is supposedly absolutely loaded. I just want to throw a couple names at you because you know a lot of these guys on, on the, the youth circuit here. 
and just see if, if you're familiar with any of them or what you can tell me about any of the kind of names projected at the top of next year's draft. Mm-hmm. So Cade Cunningham, have you seen Cade play at all? I have. I have. A, a kid that's grown into his body. I mean, has played the point guard, uh, but I believe he's probably about six six seven. you know, at this point. Really good pace to his game. You know, he's one of those guys that'll, that'll go between playing the lead guard spot, but also just being a, a facilitator in the half court because he, he passes the ball so well, too. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga? Uh, true athlete. One of those wing guys, you know, with the, the league is built around those guys that can fly from the wing. Uh, very good on defense because he's so explosive and so aggressive. So that's another guy. I mean, I've watched him for a few years now. He's only getting better. Um, and he's a grown man. He was a grown man two years ago. I watched him play a game like almost two years ago and was like, is this an adult man in like a middle school game? Because he was a head taller than everybody and like hammering windmills from like the block. And I'm like, uh, okay. So yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing him in a wizard's uniform. BJ Boston that's going to Kentucky next year. You know anything about BJ? Another one of those wing guys. Uh, smooth, plays with a good pace, uh, can shoot the basketball from distance. Only learning, uh, getting better. And again, the guys that are going to Kentucky, they're getting the right, you know, the right pedigree. So again, another one of those one, two, three, four, uh, top five picks for sure. There's a bunch of guys on here that are that are really good. Zaire Williams uh, going to Stanford. Jalen Green doing the G League Select team. Jalen Suggs going to Gonzaga. They're all sort of in that wing mold where the league is going, exactly like you just said. And the Wizards don't have that. So if you do find yourself in the lottery, like next year is the year to get one of those cornerstone pieces. And, and the last name, you know, everybody in D.C. loved the idea of getting a freshman center from USC, Anyeka Kangwu. Next year, there's a freshman center for USC named Evan Mobley. He's about seven feet tall, maybe 190 pounds at this point. Have you seen Mobley at all? I have. And he's an, another one of those guys, man, that's only gotten you know better and better. Has uh, always played against the best competition. And when you talk about you know, the youth level, I mean, that's that's really all that you can do. I mean, those guys weigh what they weigh. They're, the, the, you know, the age that they are. But, you know, any guy that's that's dominating his age group uh, is, is definitely something to be looked at. And he, again, is one of those James Wiseman sort of players for me. And that's who he kind of reminds me of. Mm-hmm. Uh, he may shoot it a little better than James, but in that, in that same sort of mold. I mean, just just looking at that, there's already guys that are – like, I think any of those five names would have gone first in this year's draft. So if if you ever did have to blow it up, this seems like the timing would, would kind of make sense to do that. And I think next year's draft is supposed to be similar. Obviously, I'm not hoping for that. I would love for us to come out and surprise everybody and kick a bunch of ass and be in the five seed at the all-star break and only getting better. But, you know, you got to have that stuff in the back of your mind, I think. And and I don't know, maybe maybe Tommy Shepard does or doesn't and is keeping that close to the vest, but I guess we'll see. Well, you got to have a plan. You know, you got to have a plan without, you know, all the tampering stuff that goes on. So you, you know, you, you got to have a plan. You got to have relationships. You got to, you know, understand, you know, what these guys want to do, what they're trying to accomplish. And, you know, that's what your team is for. And hopefully everybody's doing their, you know, doing their job and, and getting the insider information. Larry, that's all I had for you in our, our free agency recap so far. Any any last parting thoughts for everybody? No, just uh, just on the draft. I mean, just the the blessing for those guys to get a chance to 
you know, live out their dream and experience everything that they uh, got a chance to experience. And like I said, uh, in, in in a couple other interviews, man, it's it's I'm I'm glad that the the NBA, you know, made sure that those guys got a chance to experience their name getting called. I mean, that that was huge. I can't say that enough. It's something that those guys are going to remember uh, forever and ever and ever. And then once they make it to the free agency period, it'd be smooth sailing from there. I like it. Uh, all right, partner. Very uh, very good stuff here. Hope you have a great Thanksgiving and uh, talk to everybody after the break. All right, you too, man. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.